This is the Story Power Marketing Show with Tom Ruich. Make yourself comfortable and fasten your seatbelt. Tom and his guests are about to share powerful stories, trade business building insights, and have a few laughs. Tom created this podcast to help you captivate prospects and inspire them to act so you can get more clients quickly and easily. That's what powerful storytelling is all about. That's what this podcast is all about. So let's get this party started. Here's your host, Tom Ruich. Hello and welcome to the Story Power Marketing Show. My name is Tom Ruich, and today's episode is called How to Run a Business, Not Have It Run You. My guest today knows all about that. Her name is Janine Bolin, and she started her first business when she was 10 years old. Since then, she has run multiple businesses, written 12 books, produced 91 online courses, launched four podcasts, and started her own radio show. <sighs> so, Janine worked in the pharmaceutical industry for 15 years before dropping out of corporate America to homeschool her four children. As she raised her family, she always had a side business. Through her books, courses, podcasts, and radio program, Janine shares her systems and routines to help others manage a well-lived life of children, family, friends, and clients while not suffering from burnout. Janine Bolin, welcome to the Story Power Marketing Show. Thank you so much for giving me an opportunity to share this with other people, because I know we all are like stressed out, maxed out, many of us anyway. And so yeah. I appreciate the opportunity to be able to chat. Very happy to have you here. And and I want to hear about that story that you started when you were, <laughs> <laughs> did I say story, that business that you started? <laughs> well, that's were, the name of your podcast. Yeah, Good I'm, lead in, dude. Good yeah, lead in. I have story. Well, I, tell me the story. The story. <laughs> about the business that you started when you were 10 years old. You remind me of, and that's the way it was. <laughs> okay. So 10 years old and my parents did not believe in an allowance. Okay. Can you go figure? And my dad was a military man. So we were in a foreign country and I spent most of my life outside of the United States when I was growing up. And so I learned a lot of different ways to live, but I definitely had the American chutzpah of entrepreneurship really early. Why? Because I wanted candy. And I was 10 years old and my parents were mean and I wouldn't get candy until it was Halloween and it was April and I was suffering. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you were you were solving a problem. I was solving a, a personal problem. <laughs> and uh -huh. that was... I needed money. And so I went down to our local PX, military people know that as the grocery store. And I went down to our local grocery store that was on base. And I started asking if I could help out. Can I help? Can I help? What can I do? What can I do? And I didn't ask for money. I just asked, could I help? And pretty soon I was stocking shelves and I was packing groceries because up to that point, everybody packed their own groceries. And the PX was so tiny, there wasn't even a conveyor belt. It was just a counter and a cash register machine. And so then I started helping people carry their bags to their car and stuff like mm. that. And I started getting tips. So my first business was me just 
showing up, offering to help, and I was earning tips. And let me tell you something, the week I earned three dollars and because people would give me a quarter for every uh bag that I <laughs> which was big money back then for me. Yeah. And that, I was like, oh my gosh, it's helping it, yeah. it could. It could. Yeah. And so I was like, man, I this is something cool. So yeah, that was my very first business. I was solving the problem of no candy in April, waiting for October. I love it. I love it. And and so here you are all these years later. I'm not going to tell anyone how many years later, but here you are a few years later. Uh-huh. And what are some of the lessons that you learned when you were 10 years old that still apply today to your businesses and what you bring to your clients? Uh, that people love to be able to help you just as you want to help them. Uh, mm-hmm. I came as a they call it heart-based entrepreneurship now, relationship marketing, all this stuff. And it, to me, it's like, just treat people like people and they'll treat you well in return. And when you have those customers or clients who don't treat you well, guess what? Don't serve them ever again. So one of those things that I learned early on was I had a woman who said, I need some help carrying my uh, bags to the car. And I said, well, thank you. I'll be, I'll be glad to help you. And so she gave me 50 cents and I was like, whoa, that's awesome. So I grabbed her two very heavy bags and I ended up having to walk all the way across base to the base housing on the other side, mm-hmm. because that's where she had parked her car. And so she hadn't lied, but I felt used and mm-hmm. I was only 10 and a half years old, but I felt the abuse of that. Yeah. Right. And it was like taking somebody who's just trying to earn some money for candy and you're trying to see how much you can get out of that. And it's an energetic understanding. Right. Uh, Nowadays, as adults, we understand that. But as a kid, I didn't know anything about that. I hadn't had anybody ever do something like that to me. I'd had children do that to me, but had Uh never had an adult pay me money and then make me work that hard. And I didn't, it wasn't worth the 50 cents, you yeah. know. And she knew to, she was taking advantage of you. And I, you could it. feel it. And, and that's one yeah. thing I wanted to share with people. If you're an entrepreneur, I don't care if this is a side hack or you're just doing a side business or whatever, you're also very empathetic. You're going to pick up on the vibe. And so don't, don't beat yourself up when you don't pick up on the vibe. Realize that that individual has been gifted to you for a lesson. And the lesson I learned at age 10 was that not everybody was a giver like I was. Not everybody treated other people well. Now, as a child, you were used to having that from other children on the playground. However, as an adult, you know, that was something I carried very strongly with me the rest of the time was that okay, uh, setting expectations on what a customer can and cannot get away with is something that I do a lot of client education before I onboard them into my business cycle. Yeah. So did you ever run into that woman again? Did she ever try to hire you again? Um, No, she did show up and I told the cashier that I was working with because it was the same cashier. And uh, when I told the cashier about it, she was like, well, next time I will tell you, you go on break. So I had a buddy. See, that was yeah, the nice thing about being 10 beautiful. is you have a buddy and she would see that woman come in and she'd go, Jeanine, it's time for your break. And so that woman would have to haul her own groceries. Yeah. Awesome. So it was very That's passive. A- Some people may say passive aggressive. To me, <laughs> I was like, that wasn't passive aggressive. That was protecting me from people who were taking advantage of a 10-year-old that was shelving groceries for free. Yeah. And even though you didn't have that direct conversation with her, in effect, 
you decided, no, Mm -hmm. I'm not going Mm -hmm. to take this work. I'm not going to do this. Mm -hmm. And that's something that adult business people need to learn and need to discover the courage to say no, the courage to make choices about who they wish to work with. Don't take all comers. Don't just go for the, for the buck, uh, make a, make a decision about what you value and what you're going to accept and what you're going to tolerate. I love the fact that you learned that when you were 10 years old. When I was 10 years old. And so I always share with business owners because cash flow, come on, we live or die according to our cash flow, right? We have mortgages, right. we have children. In my case, I have four children, three are in college. So I am very aware of tuition prices right. and I understand what uh, sacrifices people are making in their businesses. And so the biggest thing is make sure that you are working. You're going to work hard as an entrepreneur. you work harder than you work for anything else. But the other thing that's lovely is we have done something courageous. We have sacrificed or we have walked away from security so that we can have freedom. Mm-hmm. Now, very few people do that. And so I don't want folks busting on themselves because they make a few bad decisions. I don't know how else you're supposed to learn unless you make mistakes. The only reason I am the so-called expert, if somebody says that to me, is because I've just made a lot more mistakes. I've learned from them. And what I want to do is share them with you and your community so that you guys go out and make different mistakes. But don't make mine. I already learned the lesson. Let me share that with you so we can save you $45,000 and bad things. Yeah. Right, right. Mm-hmm. And I, I love the fact that you brought up cash flow because I know that you talk about cash flow. It's part of some of the courses that you've created. And, and you also mentioned freedom and this idea that business people, people who go out and start their own business, entrepreneurs are going for the freedom. But um, one of the problems is that a lot of entrepreneurs get out there, start their own business, and then they're working. 50, 60, 70 hours a week, chasing the dollars, scrambling to keep their head above water. And they may own the business, but it really is just a job. And cash flow and understanding cash flow is a huge factor in in having a business that you run as opposed to that business that runs you that feels like a job. So uh, share with us a little bit of uh, the some of the core principles about how cash flow is such an important factor in running your business as opposed to having it run you. Okay. So this all started in 2009. I was asked yeah. to write a blog article. I was asked to write a guest blog and it was called, Who's Your Boss? Yeah. And and you have to remember back in that time, if you said that you were a entrepreneur or if you said that you were a coach, people or consultant, people would go, oh, unemployed, <laughs> right? <laughs> right? So un- entrepreneur equaled unemployed. Okay, yeah. so just remember that was the mindset that we had back then. So I'd say, who's your boss? And it was really a joke. It was a joke to entrepreneurs. It was kind of a tongue-in-cheek ribbon, you know, with the elbow ribbing you saying, look, remember, your calendar is your boss. You are not the boss. And you've got to set uh, days and times that you're going to work and then make sure you stand by those. Now, I am guilty of like pushing the envelope on that. So as as soon as I can in my business, 
Uh, the very first thing I hire, of course, is a bookkeeper or a CPA or something like that. I detest the money side of the business. Yeah, I know. Mm-hmm. I teach cash flow. I teach money. Despise the time, the dimes and nickels that I got to track. That's a waste of my time. I'm a visionary. I don't I don't want to do that. So I hire people who that is their happy place. Like this is what makes them happy. So I, I hire those people. The second person I hired is a VA. We call them VA now. It was a PA. I used to hire a personal assistant, right? Personal, right. So, right. So now, now I hire hire an executive assistant as soon as I possibly can. And that is because I know me, that personal assistant is to protect me from myself, which Mm -hmm. is I will push, you know, my, um, uh, having people book time with me in an incorrect way. I give too much. And so I have learned that about myself. So your calendar is your boss. Now, how does this help you? It helps you because when you sit down with me and one of the very first things I say is, when's your next vacation? Mm-hmm. And people are like, what does this have to do with cash flow? And I said, everything. When's your next vacation? And they're like, I'm not making enough money. I don't care. Shut up mm-hmm. and answer my question first before you start giving me all your butts because we're kicking your butts to the curb right now. We are going to talk about where you, why are you living this life? And so one of the things that shocked me, and I couldn't believe it actually works, but it does, and that is you have a life that is idealized. And I've always been told most of my life, Janine, you're a dreamer, you're a loose cannon, you don't, you're not based in reality. Sound familiar? I'm sure pretty much every entrepreneur has had this said to them. And so it's like, well, what kind of life do you want to live? And I always have such a strong vision of the type of life I want. I build that out on my calendar first. And then I fit my business into the cracks. Yeah. And then the visuals I give people is how little trees will start to grow through the cracks of pavement. And then pretty soon you have a tree growing up a side of a building. And that's how your cash flow works. The more you target exactly what kind of life you want, then you start giving off the vibe that you're only going to accept certain clients. And those certain clients are the ones that respect you as much as you respect their time. You're not going to give them a faulty product, blah, blah, blah. So it's a slow growth business, but at the same time, um, it's very scalable and you have a lot more fun. And I don't know about you, but if I'm not having fun, I don't do that anymore. I don't do the pain and suffering anymore. Yeah, I love that. I love the fact that you start with basically framing up the parts of your life that you value. What what are we doing this for if not to enjoy time with our family, to enjoy time on vacation or whatever the case may be? And so many entrepreneurs I know will not do it that way. And they will be in that mode of scramble, scramble, scramble the whole time. And they never escape the hamster wheel. So the way that you frame it is so important and and I appreciate it so much. Tell tell us about some of uh, those, (laughs) some of those courses besides the, the cash flow courses. Tell us about some of the courses that you have out there that you've created that are most successful and you're most proud of. Oh, I'd be happy to do that. But if you'll excuse me, I really want to talk about your people first. And that is, I would like to talk to the entrepreneur who is on the hamster wheel. I don't want to look like that hamster wheel. The thing, the fastest way to get off the hamster wheel is to get your calendar out and clear off time and figure out what is the life you want to live. Because to me, this is the most important. I have a soft spot in my heart, just like Thomas Jefferson. He was always saying that as long as we had entrepreneurs and as long as we had farmers, this country would be okay. 
And I, I firmly believe in that. I've seen it over and over again. As long as we support farmers, as long as we support entrepreneurs, this country is going to get through whatever it needs to get through. And so they're doing a service. But the thing is, is you can't burn out. You have to remember, you're not in here for a sprint. You are running a marathon and you have to train yourself to run like a marathon. It requires that level of discipline, but it doesn't have to be horrible. And so the first thing you do is you figure out when are you going to take two weeks off on vacation? Don't worry about how you're going to pay for it. See, that's the thing. The cash flow comes later. What you want to do is you want to set up that two-week vacation or, okay, you can't handle a week. I've had some people go, Janine, I'll do four days. I'll do Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I'm back to work on Monday morning. Okay, so do whatever your comfort level will allow you to do. But you set it up. And then once a quarter, you set up a three-day weekend where you're going off. And that's all you're going to do is think about your business you're going to look at your numbers and you're going to see, okay, this is where I am. Where do I want to go? Trust me, Fortune 500 companies, no, no. We're talking about the Fortune 50. I have been lucky mm-hmm. enough to be able to chat with people that are in the Fortune 50. And guess what? They plan out their retreats for themselves before they do anything else. So when the rest of us are doing <laughs> our New Year's resolutions, they're planning their calendar. They're deciding what's mm-hmm. the life they want to lead for the next year. Now, if they're not doing that, there's somebody in their life that's helping them do that. So I just right. wanted to share that before we got into you know what I do and everything is I really want to help the entrepreneur who feels like I'm so far behind. I'm in debt. I need this. I need that. I'm chasing the almighty dollar. And I'm like, I highly recommend you go back to work, become a W-2 employee again, get your life back together. Keep the business going on the side, but get it to where it's profitable and it's not draining you and then go back out. And so some people say, well, that's a failure. I went, no, that's tuition in the school (laughs) of life. Hello. So I just wanted to share that first. (laughs) No, and it's a fair point. And and in some cases, and it's not surrender. It In some cases, it's the, the right move to make because... Without that move, maybe you are going to be stuck in a business that is running you and you're not able to run it. But you made a really great point about about cash flow and looking at the numbers. Where am I now and where do I need to go? Where am I now? Where do I need to go? So many business people are not paying attention to that, not answering the question, not setting the goals. And it it undermines them as they try to uh, as they try to plow ahead. It really does. And I. I constantly am harping on this, and I'll use myself as an example. This December, uh, I was looking over my numbers with my accountant, and one of the things that came to point was I was getting ready to scale a very a section of our business, and I had people lined up. I had contracts on my desk. We were getting ready to launch, and we were getting ready to put $45,000 on this launch with five different groups of people, and I realized we couldn't do it because mm. we got some data back. And I went, wait a minute, these numbers are not what we had projected when we were setting up our systems. Wait a minute. And I pulled the reins back and I re-looked at the the numbers because I've done this since I was 11, right? (laughs) I'm used to looking at numbers and deciding how am I going to move forward with that? And I realized the amount of stress I was going to put on myself as I tried to make sure all 28 people were going to have enough business to make this profitable for my business. Because mm-hmm. I work with freelancers, all right? I work with other entrepreneurs. I love it. It's, a, it's collaboration all the time. And so as I looked at this team I was building out, I realized we would not be a profitable engine. So yep. I had to scale back, stop, and, and relook at things. And so 
that's one of the things I just wanted to share with people is that don't be afraid to look at those numbers. There is nothing more calming to your fear factor than to sit there and go, okay, let's see what the numbers really say. And then you're like, oh, because the phantoms and the demons that you put up in your own mind are way worse than what's on paper. Just wanted yeah, to share I, that with you. I love that. Calming. I mean, in Very the end, calming. it's about having peace of mind, about having clarity, about having calm. Because if you don't know your numbers, exactly as you described, you're just guessing. You probably... In some cases, you're going to be making these these drastic, dreadful assumptions that are incorrect. You're scaring yourself to to death. In the other case, and your story is very telling in this regard, you might plow ahead on something when the numbers say, "Mm, maybe not now. It's It's not the number saying never. It's the number saying maybe not now, maybe next quarter whatever the case may be, but none of that happens without the clarity and the attention. And you said something else earlier that I really want to draw out and emphasize, and that is you don't like keeping track of the numbers and doing all this. This is why one of your first hires is always going to be the accountant, the bookkeeper, the person who really can do this. So I picture you in these meetings, not after you've shuffled all all these numbers on spreadsheets, but sitting with somebody who's walking you through it. And then you are able with clarity and confidence and calm to make the business decisions that you need to make. There are tons of business lessons in all of that that you just described. I think it's really powerful. So when it comes to talking to your CPA, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) Uh they are lovely people. Mm -hmm. And I think I bless them every time. However, I sat my CPA down and I said, Mike, I love you. You're wonderful. Thank you. But these reports mean Jack to me. And I don't know Jack. Ergo, we need to change these reports. And they're like, but these are standard business reports. I'm like, I am not a standard business owner. What I care about is not the same. I'm not always interested in the bottom line. Yeah. Yes, I want to stay in the profit area. Yes, this is true. However, my goals and my procedures and the way I run a business are not the same as what a a larger business that runs products and services out of a warehouse does. I am a totally online digital person, which back in the day was um, crazy weird. Okay. Mm-hmm. So anytime but between 2020, before 2020, I always felt like I was this lone wolf out there talking about audio blogging before it was called podcasting in 2011. But anyway, the audio blogging and stuff and doing nothing but business online, people are like, don't you get bored? Right. You know, they just couldn't comprehend how you would run a business from your home the way that we were running it. And so, with your CPA, I highly recommend that you sit down. And if you do not understand what they're saying, do not be afraid to squeak up. Now, I see this mainly uh, with women rather than I do men, but even those stereotypes are leaving with the newer generation that's coming online. Those are old, old standards. Um, There are people who they don't want to bother you. That's what I'm seeing with the millennials. Oh, I'm sorry, Janine, I don't want to bother you. I'm like, I don't know how you're supposed to learn if you don't bother me. Like, you need to squeak up and ask a question. And so that's something I really want to share with you guys is if you don't understand what your CPA is doing, it's in their best interest that you understand what the numbers say. And when I don't understand it, my CPA, I keep them on the line on Zoom until he explains it and the light bulb goes off off over my head. If the light bulb never goes off, I do not think it's a problem with me. I think it is a problem with my CPA 
educating me on what the business is. And what is fascinating to me is I have had financial planners who were in the business a very long time that told me, I can't tell you how wonderful it is to have a client that refuses to leave until they understand what I've done for them. I love that. Yeah. And I, I, I found it interesting that you suggested that it's women who are going to be more hesitant in mm-hmm. this. And I, I get your point. When you were telling the story, what went into my head is that men might be more likely to act that way for a different reason. It's sort of the um, uh, the old stereotype about men and driving directions, never admitting oh, that they're, that part never of it, admitting yeah. that they're lost. And, <laughs> and, and I think that a lot of business people, business owners, people in authority, people who think that they're supposed to be in charge are going to be very reluctant to say, uh, hey, CPA, I don't understand this. Can you help Mm -hmm. me? They feel that it's a sign of weakness, a sign of failure, a sign of surrender. And your message is so important that, wait a minute, you can't lead, you can't know, you can't succeed if you're clueless. And I think you're right. A lot of people often will be more clueless than they're willing to admit very valuable lesson. Thank you. For right. That. You're, oh, you're welcome. So whether you're male, female, or non-binary, I don't uh-huh. care. Uh, <laughs> what is important is that you know what you're, is happening with your business. And the way right. that you determine the pulse is through the way the money is moving through your business. So if you don't like the word profit margin, if you don't like the words that are being used, then just see it as a pipe of of water flowing through it. You need to have that flow. Money does not like to be stagnant. It likes to constantly be changing and moving. And so even if you like to picture the money moving through your life in a very allegorical or metaphorical way, then go ahead and do that. And then educate your CPA on, okay, so this makes no sense to me. And they're going to go, what part? And I had to say to my guy, none of it. I don't know what you are saying. And and then they they're so wrapped up in their own lingo and you know this that's why you're laughing because you know you know this and and I can't even to this day I can't even remember all the words because I just ejected them out of my head. Now I'm not an idiot. I'm a highly trained analytical biochemist. I was in automation and robotics back when we had RS232 cables and quit basic. And I remember when I would look at some of these beautiful engineers who I knew were geniuses because they had built these amazing things, but I would look at them and go, I don't know what you're saying. And they go, well, obviously you're a chemist. See, it wasn't, oh, you're a woman or no, it was because I was a chemist. I'm like, right. So educate me, Obi-Wan. What is it that you are saying? And I always used a joke or something to kind of loosen it up, but I got very up in people's faces about if I don't understand what is being said, I will take responsibility if I wasn't listening. I will yeah. take responsibility for that. Or if I got distracted or if my phone went off or something. However, it takes two. And so if I don't understand the words that are coming out of your mouth, it's because the lingo is a little too tight and you need yeah. to loosen up and help this layman understand what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Not that huge. I've had this conversation <laughs> at all in huge, the last couple of years. <laughs> right. there, there are huge lessons in that in, in terms of leadership, in terms of, of organizing teams, getting things done, in terms of marketing and communications, that, that we make assumptions when we listen to the marketplace and hear things that they say, and then we are prone to use whatever the vocabulary is of our own industry and our own products and services. And, and when we get 
and when we, <laughs> I, my, my dog is here with me and my dog is going a little bit berserk because he's hearing activity outside the door. So, uh, I'm just going to let that go. I'm not going to edit this out. This is real life of a man working this is uh, in, in, <laughs> from in his our home, home office. So Moose, knock it off. Be quiet, buddy. <laughs> Oh, and I wanted to jump in and just say, uh, I remember what it was. My financial planner was blah, 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 dollar cost averaging. That was it. Dollar cost averaging, of course. And Okay. Well, uh, to this day, if you were to ask me for the definition, I don't know. But what happened was he started drawing pictures on paper and then I got it. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I cannot describe it to you in words, but I can draw you a picture of what dollar cost averaging Beautiful. is. And Beautiful. so that's where I that's what I mean. There's a yep. lot of lingo that's used and they use it so often and so frequently they forget they're working with somebody who's outside their field. And as I like that's to right. say, this is why I pay you is so that yep. you can make the language jump for me and yep. help me understand what the industry is saying in that particular regard. Yeah, and everyone is prone to this. Um, accountants, lawyers, financial advisors, uh, anybody in a in a technical industry, mm-hmm. marketers are very oh, yeah. prone to using marketing lingo. So you really have to catch yourself. And 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 on the other side, to your point, if you don't understand what you're hearing, ask. Be brave. All right. Be brave. Be courageous. Come on. You've already done the most courageous thing anybody can do. And that is you left security and you decided you were going to go solve a problem for the rest of the world. Okay. And that's what you're doing. Anytime you solve a problem, I don't care how tiny you think it is. It is huge. An example is recently I started a little side business. This is something that I enjoy. I, it's a it's a fun little gig that I'm doing, and I only have time on the weekends. I only have time on Saturday mornings from 8 a.m. to noon. But I had mm-hmm. that spot, and I decided oh, I'll try something. And I now mend clothes for my local area. I got on next door. I have three sewing machines, and I'm able to crank out stuff. And it's become so profitable and I have so much activity going on that, that I'm actually starting to outsource some of it because it, it yeah. grew so fast. But that's the thing. I don't care how little something is. You're solving a problem and you're making the world a better place. So realize yeah. that takes courage that you walked away from security to go solve a problem. And all I can say is thank you. You're making the country stronger by doing that. So don't be afraid to ask questions. Yeah. And what I love about that, you talked about heart. Um, heartfelt uh, businesses and and so forth. And uh, people talk a lot about this notion of of work-life balance as if you have your work, shush, boost, as if you have your work and you have your life. But what you're talking about, this, this feeling of satisfaction of solving a problem for, in your case, the people who live in your community, because this, uh, I don't think that, are, are people shipping their clothes to you to mend them, or is this a No, they drop them it, off in my drop box on my front stoop. Exactly. <laughs> it's, and you're, you're, you said you're doing this through the local Nextdoor app. So That's right. you are helping neighbors, mm-hmm. and the sense of fulfillment and joy that you get from that is not something separate from your life. It is your life. That's part of, of what you do. It's from your heart. And, and I think that the beauty of the things we're talking about 
having a sense of clarity, having a sense of calm, having a sense of, of greater um, uh, joy in the work we do is not something that we stick in a compartment when, you know, the, the clock strikes five and the workday is over. It's about making our whole life better. And that's part of what I appreciate about what you're saying and what, and what you do, Janine. Well, thank you so much, Tom. I appreciate that. And we're going to leave you with one little thing before we close out. And that okay. is work-life balance doesn't exist. Yeah. It is a fabrication. Yeah. What I like to share with people is how how much in harmony are your head and your heart? I use the word mm-hmm. harmony. I have re, I totally have gotten the word balance out of my world as far as describing how I live. The only time I use balance is when I'm trying to figure out what is the weight and measure of something. So for mm-hmm. me, a balance is a instrument. It is not an activity or behavior on my part. What I do is I try to live a life in harmony with others. Mm -hmm. And so that requires so much less effort. When you think about work-life balance, immediately you get exhausted. Some people just Mm -hmm. immediately feel exhausted because it requires constant attention, constant monitoring, 100 million different variables at any one time that could change that cause everything else to go out of balance. It just puts you in a tailspin. Whereas Mm -hmm. if you think of harmony, that's like the opera, whether you like opera or not. You've got 20 people singing on the stage. And guess what? They're all singing different things, but they're in harmony. And so some people say it doesn't sound great. It's up to you. But you know what I'm saying. You can have multiple people all singing their own tune. And as long as they're singing in harmony, it's a thing of beauty. They don't even have to sing words. They can just have tones. It's amazing. So I highly recommend you think of your life as something that is harmonic. I I agree with you on that one. So, Janine, where do people find you? I think the easiest way is just go on LinkedIn and look up Janine Bolin. It's Bolin, it's colon spelled with a B, unfortunate but true. And then Lynette, make sure that you say, hey, I happen to hear you on Tom's podcast, Lynette put me in touch with Janine and you will be invited to my open Friday coffee, which is free. And I have an hour every Friday where I get to meet new people. Beautiful. Beautiful. Well, Janine, it's been. <laughs> it's okay. He's doing good. I really yeah. like that. Moose. You know what? I, for those who are, for those who are watching on video, come here, Moose. We're going to let people. Meet I think the four legged, the four legged dog buddy. wants there something. He is. What a sweetie. <laughs> there he is. So he's a little sad right now but we're going to go outside soon. So that's all for you, Moose. Janine, thank you so, so much for all your insight, all you do. Everybody look up Janine on LinkedIn, uh, connect with her, remind her that you heard her or saw her here on the Story Power Marketing Show. And uh, she can help you in so many ways. So check out Janine, make that connection build a relationship with her and you won't be sorry. So Janine Bullen, thank you so much. We'll see you again on the Story Power Marketing Show. For those listening on uh, one of their favorite podcast channels, please pardon me. If you like what you heard, give us a five-star review. And for more from Story Power Marketing, go to storypowermarketing.com. You can get this episode and others at storypowermarketing.show, where we have full episode videos, excerpt videos, as well as audio and show notes. So check all of that out. Give us a review if you like what you heard, and we'll see you down the road. Thanks so much. 
listening to the Story Power Marketing Show with Tom Ruich. If you liked what you heard today, visit storypowermarketing.com resources, where you can sign up for Tom's entertaining, informative, must-read emails, download free business building resources, and discover other opportunities to help you harness the power of storytelling. That's storypowermarketing.com resources to help you captivate prospects, inspire them to act, and grow your business with greater ease and joy. Also, please remember to subscribe to the Story Power Marketing Show with Tom Ruich and review it on iTunes or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.